0: This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is the returning Andrew Michael Wells of Idola and Dance Gavin Dance. Uh, Idola has a new record coming up on September 17th via Rise Records. It is called The Architect. I'm very excited for you all to hear it. Uh, thankfully, I've already got an advanced copy of it, and it is, uh, it is damn impressive. Uh, if you are not familiar with Idola or Andrew... Well, then I guess you haven't checked out our other two episodes. Actually, scratch that. (laughs) The only other episode I've done, I have one sitting in the vaults. We talk a little bit about that. But um, Andrew has become one of those people that I I always love having on the show. I love just actually being friends with this dude. Um, He is in a day and age where, you know, we know so much about our friends because of social media it's really kind of refreshing to see or lack of seeing uh post from because cause he, he's not on social media. And so it's one of those where getting to do something like this is kind of fun because it's an opportunity for me to talk to a friend of mine at length about some serious shit. Like, I don't think we've had a conversation whether it be through text or in person or over doing one of these where some real shit doesn't get said. Um, and that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about the relationship that Andrew and I have is just the, the vulnerability to, to be open and honest. Um, it's really fucking refreshing to have people in your life that become a source kind of for almost giving you permission to, to be equally as, as open and raw and vulnerable with people. Um, I don't want to say it's a permission necessarily that Andrew or anyone gives us. But it's one of those things where it's hard not to see someone living a life that's so different from everybody else's, especially since we don't see it every day uh, on social media. Like, here's the, the food I ate or here's the place I went to or whatever, um, it kind of makes you want to be more engaged with this person when you're talking to them, and I think Idola's music really benefits from that as well. The band essentially doesn't post much. Uh, that's something that we have kind of talked about consistently th- over our chats, and I think it harkens back to a day, you know, when when both of us grew up. I'm a little bit older than Andrew, but where we didn't know everything about everyone or everything. And there was a sense of mystery. So whatever this band or whatever this person would allow you to see a glimpse into their life or their creative process, you kind of soaked it up and it meant more. And I think that's the thing about Idola's music to me is it just means more to me. There's, there's so much going on. There's so many layers of between lyrics, having to look up things beyond just the lyrics, the, the references to to different books, to different theories, different philosophies, and it's it's kind of nice and refreshing to, to not just be given all the answers right away um that there is more there's more if you're willing to take the dive um i don't really have anything else to say i feel like that is the perfect setup for this conversation with andrew and i we are going to take the dive into this conversation between andrew and i and i'll talk to you on the other side of it <music> i just start talking i forget to hit record (laughs) and i'm like fuck i i totally missed so it's like a lot of times now it's like it's easier just to hit record as soon as you start and then wherever you actually start going like then you're good but it's uh it's one of those things where um it just sucks like dropbox because like there's definitely like some of your like more interludes sort of like a and i'm probably pronouncing it incorrectly um okams razor like Uh or even uh, alchemist ascend into elephant bones like i don't get that nice smooth transition nice smooth yeah and it's like it's just boop boop and then you're like oh
1: like you're like yeah that's gonna sound great on the record yeah
0: yeah yeah on the record and on vinyl or whatever it'll be great but it's sort of like a cock tease for me because i'm like oh where is it oh yeah oh yeah all over so definitely uh but much appreciated for uh sending it over so i can at least talk a little bit about the thing um now absolutely so we don't have to do this again uh, down the road where it's like all right you guys didn't talk about the record and i'll be like eh, it's okay <laughs> um so all that being said uh, i have the pleasure of once again uh, i'm gonna switch us too because i don't like me being on the left hand side because when i look at the you it looks like i'm looking at the camera um but i have the pleasure of talking to uh andrew wells uh of IDOLA this time. Um, it's a little inside joke, I guess uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, now that I actually say it out loud but um you guys got a new record getting ready to come out in it'll be in July, so two months uh called yep. the architect uh, it'll be out uh, three days before my birthday, September seventeenth via rise records now um so the last time you and I had kind of talked about this project of idola, um I think you had said the record was done a while ago mm-hmm. um but was basically what we now know to be the, the whole uh, blue Swan getting absorbed into rise records and all that stuff. Is that kind of what was slowing things up for getting this album released?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I think that um, it's, it's always kind of tough because yeah, like you, you've known me for a while. I'm not really a social media guy. I got off social media about three years ago now and I was the primary, uh, you know, the primary for the idol of social media. And so, when I stopped using social media, we just didn't really use it. Um, and I'm also a firm believer, like, if I don't have something to give my audience, I don't I, – it, it feels contrite, um, feels really contrived uh, and kind of fake to just be pumping out the same thing, right? You get a lot of bands that will – they're very content-based. I'm not really content-based. I'm more art-based. Like, I, I'm trying to get you to think about something or I'm trying to give you a piece of art to to listen to or to to – To visualize, to see um, if I don't have something new to give you, I'm just not going to give you anything, right? I don't want to go with a tour pick from 2017 be like, oh, remember how cool that was? Or you remember this video we put out five years ago? Fuck that. I'm not really into that. Um, I'm going to give you something new. And so... um, A lot of people don't really know what happens Mm -hmm. on the back end of the music industry in terms of like legal, um, the legal process of contracts and uh, how long that process takes. I mean, I was somewhat aware and even I was just blown away by how insane that process was because, you know, with how COVID went. You had a lot of smaller labels get absorbed by independent labels, and then you have a lot of independent labels that got absorbed by major labels. And so Rise got absorbed by Sony BMG, and Blue Swan got absorbed by Rise, right? So it's this hierarchy that kind of just like... I believe they in into-
0: upstream, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they they all got upstream. Um, that process itself, we, Blue Swan and Rise were in litigation for... believe it was like six or seven maybe even eight months um where contracts went back and forth between sony bmg rise and blue swan to try to get this merger um to where everybody was happy with the deal and so our album had been done at that point for for a for a decent chunk of time i mean it had probably been done as long as most records are done right like um (laughs) like we just we just finished the new Dance Gavin Dance record. Um, that one's probably not going to come out until the spring of next year. Don't quote me on a release there, uh, but it's it, I, I, it's most likely not going to come out until early next year. Most people know that it's done. Tillian, you know, had just talked about finishing vocals um, <clears throat> records. Great, by the way, super excited for that one. But uh, we we got that done. It's going to take probably six to eight months to get everything done prepared for it you get all the music videos and all that so idola spent that normal time frame getting all that done and once it was done we're like okay well you know covid sucks but we're fine to drop it like we don't need to wait for a tour this could take a long time for everything to get back to normal um for people to feel comfortable going to shows again for for um you know all the legal stuff to get worked out and we were fine to drop it we're like let's just Drop the whole thing. And Will called me and was like, "Hey, we're in the process of doing this with Rise, and we really think that Rise is going to give this record and this band um, a, a little bit better of a platform, more distribution. Um, it'll reach more people this way." And I said, "Okay, well, that, that's fine. Um, I'm fine to wait." So, we we waited, you know, six, seven, eight months. <clears throat> Finally, when we got done with that process um rise took uh, about a month or two just to just to get some other stuff done with some of their other artists they had spirit box um that they were finishing up with and angels and airwaves afi they had some great uh, i mean bands have been in in the industry way longer than us um definitely take a higher priority list um and at the end of the day we're like okay we'll we'll be patient for that well after that they approached us and said okay now it's time to do artist contracts and so now (laughs) artist contracts are a whole nother thing when it comes to litigation. So we had to go back and forth in litigation for our artist contracts to get a fair fair shot at that. Um, that was about another six or seven months. So all in all, you're talking about a delay of about 18 months or so from when we would have normally put a record up. So yeah, really frustrating for us, um, but but at the end of the day, it's finally coming out. We're, we're really excited. We. Um, we're getting to put it out on a tour with dance, Gavin dance. I get to play with both bands. I'm really excited for that. And I think that it was, you know, well worth the wait. So.
0: I wondered how this was going to go. Cause of the last time we talked, which no one has heard. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm probably going to, like, I'm going to ask a question that's sort of based on that, but it correlates to this record. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm trying to make sure I don't say or bring up <laughs> things that aren't supposed to be said. Um, okay, so when we had talked <clears throat> uh, on that Dance Gavin Periphery
1: tour, shit,
0: probably three years ago now or so.
1: Yeah, I think it was three, um, yeah, about three
0: So you had made a comment about this record because when we I don't remember if it was on record or or just when we were talking that day. But you had talked about this record and how it was a lot more angrier and, you know, straight out the gate when I got when you just sent me the record. The first three songs just evoke a very. Very angry kind of place where you're, you're figuring out yourself in the world in life and i know from one of our pre the first time we actually talked you know you talked about growing up in in utah and your childhood and all that kind of stuff you know songs like hidden worship counterfeit shrines caustic prayer they just really evoke this visceral theme um of struggling with i don't want to say identity necessarily but maybe the concept of yourself i mean and maybe i'm kind of even getting a little bit of that because of what uh, and I might be pronouncing the title wrong, Oak- razor Occam's Razor Occam's yep. um, Razor. And for those that don't know, that basically is uh, a sort of philosophical uh, rule, I want to say, that basically is that we should not increase beyond a reason the number of like entities uh, required to explain anything, um, that basically all things should be equal uh, in its simplest solution or something to that effect, if I understand that correctly
1: yeah you're uh, you're you're pretty close so so yeah occam's razor it, as a philosophical concept just just basically means the more or less the simplest solution is often the correct one right okay um if, if you can if you can find whatever the most likely or the the most simple solution is to a problem that's generally more often than not the the genuine objective solution right mm-hmm. um and <clears throat> that that song in particular is um very that song and then perennial philosophy are both really personal songs for me um and you you, to touch on what you said previously the 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 album definitely comes from a lot of angles there's still a a heavy conceptual reference i'm actually going to be doing a breakdown podcast with um a friend of mine named kevin uh, from new york we're gonna do uh kind of a track by track to go over the narrative concept for this record, how it ties into previous Idola concepts, but this I would say is is definitely the most personal record for me in terms of kind of a symbiotic relationship between those two mediums, right? An an actual narrative and then um, some very personal content for me. And there there are there's a lot of anger in there for sure. Uh, and I think that stro- struggling with certain aspects of my identity has been uh, something that's that's been explored particularly over the last three years or so. And I know that we had talked quite a bit, uh, you know, just a few years ago and a lot's happened even since then um, through, through, you know, therapy, through a, a lot of other life changes that I've made to just really, really figure myself out and, and dial myself in. Uh, and this, this record definitely reflects that process. Uh, it's it, it definitely um, dials that in pretty heavily.
0: Well, I mean, that was, and again, without going into and it sucks for the listeners, <laughs> technically, uh, to, without going into super specifics, uh, eventually that episode will see the light of day. I, I'm very proud of it. Uh, the conversation we just had and all that. So eventually it will see the light of day. But um, the thing about, you know, something you had mentioned in, you know, that time frame of your life or, you know, as a lot of uh, Christians and people in religion say you that season you were in. Um, I had wondered because and the timeline might be a little staggered for me, but like I, I kind of had thought this record was done then, but now I'm kind of getting the, the feeling that you maybe have gone and changed some of the things to reflect more of where you are ish um, on the other side of that process that you were going through of kind of reevaluating life things. Is that accurate? Like, or is this all even before our conversation, like
1: three years ago? This, this, that's actually, that's pretty close. I would say that's fairly accurate. I, uh, I, the, the record wasn't recorded when we had talked on that tour. Okay. So um, but if it, it had been, yeah, it was written, it was more or less written, not all the vocals had been written though. Okay. And so okay. that there's kind of a, um, and, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm so glad you reached out. I'm so glad we get to have another conversation because it, you know, it's, it's very personal. It's very, uh, it's very conversational, which I like. So, um, without going too, you know, TMI, I guess you could say, I, uh, the vocals were split up between, uh, two, two periods of time that were, I would say, probably one of the toughest seasons of my entire life. Right. Uh, it was the, the music had been written and <clears throat> I had been recording the music with Sergio and Matt Hansen. So I, I did, I wrote, I had written all the songs. Um, I'd I'd written written all the guitar. I'd written all the bass. um, I demoed out some drums for Matt and I'd started on the vocals. Uh, I started with the lyrics. I'd gotten the concept dialed in. And we flew out to Portland and started recording instruments. And to give you an exact timeline, we had started recording instruments and we had recorded drums and, and I'd done quite a bit of bass Uh, For about two, two and a half weeks. And then Dance Gavin Dance came in for 10 days, right in the middle of that recording process. And we did uh, Headhunter and Blood Wolf, right? We did those two singles um, back to back while we were in the studio with Chris. Uh, So they just came in. My drummer flew home. My bassist flew home. um, And uh, I stayed, obviously, uh, and worked on Headhunter and uh, collaborated on Blood Wolf. And then once Dance was done, my screamer Matt and then Sergio flew out and then we took another two weeks or so and did the rest of the instruments um, for the record and we had done a little bit of vocals. I think we had tracked Caustic Prayer and um, I think we tracked may, may, probably Hidden Worship and maybe one other song, and we we didn't have time to finish the vocals because of how that all worked out. Right, if we would have had those extra couple weeks we, that dan- that dance came in, but Obviously, dance is the priority here. So we we got that done. Chris said, Okay, we're gonna have to come back and do the rest of the vocals. And I said, Okay, when's the next time you have available? And he's like, Not until after you get off your next tour, right? So we ended up so that was when we had our conversation. Um, was it was like that, that, that tour. Uh, and then, and that that was a it was a pretty tricky time because we had done, mm-hmm. I think we did Swan Fest in April. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we done, yeah, Swan Fest in April and, uh, I had, uh, I had two suicide attempts that year, um, with, uh, there was like one that was right after Swan Fest and then one, um, in the fall. And that process was when I had, I had split up doing the rest of the vocals. And so I was going through that while i was writing and recording the vocals for the architect and so a lot of the record reflects on uh, my mental health at the time i think it's a it's a pretty good snapshot of what i'm grasping at there so it was a it was a very difficult period i'm I'm doing much better now uh, but that was that was definitely uh, a huge factor in the lyrics and in the in the delivery of that record so
0: i think for me knowing what you know and you just kind of brought up one of the bigger talking points really that was kind of a shift uh in our conversation uh from previously now you're kind of talking about it in conjunction to the recording of this record and i do feel like by the time you kind of get to to occam's razor it kind of there's a little bit of a shift like like i said i feel like the beginning of the record starts off very aggressive and very uh angry and I feel like by the time you kind of get there, that it's almost like a shift and and I I almost feel like, and I was going to bring this up, but like I said, I didn't know how to bring it up without referencing the, the reason I'm bringing it up, which now, since you did, I can ask this officially, but it's like, it feels like you kind of separated the record based on. This is the anger I went through and trying to find myself and trying to figure out what quote unquote, what's wrong with me and how I need to be to be better and then there's kind of this this uh, working through kind of musically and lyrically from what I was able to pick up on on the one listen, and that's why I said I kind of went back a couple of times, mm-hmm. um, because even even some of the lyrics, like and I think uh, I think it was Empty Gardens actually, like there was kind of like the screaming part at the end, and I don't remember the lyric initially off the top of my head, but I remember going like that feels like some like almost kind of a a resolution kind of to some of the stuff, the beginning process of and, and almost, you know, in myself going to therapy over the last, you know, eight months or so, it's kind of funny, you know, and I haven't told you this because I wanted to wait until we were going to talk, but it's like going <coughs> back through your music, even, you know, back to um Terra, like I feel like I identify more with the things you're saying because having gone through therapy, you kind of notice some of the, the trends or kind of the things you have to do where it's like, why is this happening? You're you're asking the whys and, and looking for the answers to make yourself a better person. And it's funny that I feel like your band, whether you were going through therapy even back then, I go, it feels like this is what therapy kind of feels like at times where it's like you're fucking mad and you're angry. But it's misplaced to a degree. But you don't realize that in the time. And it isn't until you get more tools to unlock these answers and how to work your way through problems, do you end up then being able to kind of have resolution and you can kind of look back with more calmness, which, you know, a song like alchemist uh, ascended into elephant bones kind of feels like a manifestation of that musically to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a keen, a keen observation. Um, I think anyone who's gone through intensive therapy would, would probably agree with you if they, if they dive into some of that lyrical content um, I've been in therapy every week for, um, it's been about two years since, since that last attempt. Um, and it's, it's helped tremendously, but you do, there's a processing period and it, it ebbs and flows. You know, there's certain things that get brought up from your past, certain things from your childhood, certain things from your present, um, potentialities from your future. And I think that processing that can bring up a lot, right. It brings up a lot of anger, regret, um, you know sadness uh, remorse guilt i mean there's a lot of things that that you have to go through and process and um the the latter half of the record is absolutely you know how how that's being processed and and all the avenues in which we do that so um alchemist descendant is a particularly strong piece um especially because so the the talking part on that song is Matt Hanson? That's actually our drummer. So we've had a we've had some level of an instrumental piece on every record, and most of them have um, some type of talking part, some spoken word piece, right? So I did I did the Omega piece on Degenerate Terra. Um, uh, Brandon and Matt Domer split a piece on um, the purpose we find in our voices on degenerate era as well and then um, james did a spoken word on shri vishnu yantra um, and on to speak to listen loved how that one turned out and then so matt approached me and um it, you know while we were doing this and this this song we had already written and recorded the most of the record at this point um and it was 11 songs and he was like hey is there any way you could write a, a, a you know kind of an interlude track. Um, I would really love a spoken word part on this record because um, his his mom had just passed away, and uh, he was he was working through that, processing that. And we'd had a, we'd had a lot of death. I mean, just so much death in the last two years. It's just been crazy. I mean, e- even COVID aside, like it's it's been. Pretty intense. I, I think I've been to more funerals in the last year than I've been my entire life. Um, it's been does like over a dozen, uh, and it's uh, really it just hits you. You know, it really puts things in perspective in terms of like, wh- why am I here? What am I trying to accomplish? What am I doing? Um, what are the things I waste my time on? What are the vices that control my behavior? And and what the fuck am I going to do to fix that? Because I can't keep taking those things for granted uh, when there's plenty of people here that don't even get to be here anymore to even have that choice. So uh, Matt approached me and said, hey, can I can I write this piece about my mom? And I said, absolutely. And so I messaged Chris, I called him up and I said, hey, if I write and record um, an interlude and I just do all the piano work, I mean, it, thats I did all the piano and the production work for the whole record, but I was like, can I just do one song? I, I'm not, I don't have to fly back and record it, I can do it myself and then are you okay to mix it? Uh, and let me know if anything sounds, sounds, uh, sounds janky. And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So I wrote it, sent it off to Hanson. He did a couple drafts of this spoken word piece. Turned out beautiful. Um, you know, really gets me teared up every time I listen to it. So uh, he did a great job with that. I'm really, really proud of him for stepping in and, and getting that done. And then uh, Chris just took it all and mixed it. And, and it turned out to be like a really great, really cool sounding interlude. Also fits with the theme um, in terms of the the concept, the conceptual placement geographically. So it's very you know, it's very Middle Eastern. It's got some you know um, some some various auxiliary percussion in there, some sitar and some other things that that turned out really cool. So
0: it's funny. It reminded me a little bit of like something Imogen Heap would do. Person.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, actually listening to. Vocals, a, I was like, yeah, it yeah.
0: feels like something Imogen Heap would do, like musically and just kind of the way the like. It's I don't think it's a vocoder, but like there's a like an effect on the voice that kind of sounds like something she would do like yeah. in conjunction to what her music. but again, a weird reference that like a lot of people I know don't really know who that is.
1: Oh, I love her dude. she's is awesome shame, I, she is I, yeah <laughs> I, I was listening to her a ton during that record um she's she's super talented. love, love her. she's awesome
0: yeah, I need to uh whenever she when and if she ever tours the States, I need to go see her. Cause she just phenomenal. And that whole thing with the gloves where she's able to manipulate her voice. Like Jesus Christ, yeah. the thing is insane. So like, I don't cool. even know how it works. Like she explains it. And I'm still like, yeah, whatever you wiggle your fingers. And then it does. Yeah. This do, thing, the, like,
1: <laughs> do the glove thing. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's dope, man. I, I would love the chance to see her live. I've never, never seen her live. So
0: Um, kind of shifting things a little bit. Cause like now we've kind of talked about a record that probably by the time this comes out, people still won't have heard the whole thing so sure. don't want to bog it yeah. down with just like a bunch <laughs> of album talk um yeah. so now that we've kind of done the job of you know whatever i i've always said like i like just talking to you because like you and i get along really well we're able to just kind of talk about things um so you know something that you had actually just kind of said that i, I thought to be an interesting talking point and it sucks because it's it's interesting how in depth um you know we learn a lot about ourselves um You know, I had, like I said, I'd started to go to therapy and then um, had lost my uncle a couple of months. uh, Yeah, probably about like five, six months ago or so. And, you know, I had a weird epiphany where, you know, going back home, it's the first time I've gone home. Probably like shit since I've been with my wife, since I started dating my wife almost 10 years ago at least. And I hadn't been home before that for many, many years. And the only reason I go back home now is for funerals. Like it's the only reason. Cause it's like, that's where my mom's side of the family is. Mm-hmm. And seeing my uncle be buried. And it's like, there's like in front of me, there was my parents and my grandparents, both who were divorced. So they're kind of sitting on separate sides of the, the aisle way or whatever, but I'm looking forward. And I go once those two, as far as my grandparents go, I don't think I'm ever coming back. Delaware there's nothing that ties me here anymore and what little bit of connection I feel like as my home it's gone and that was kind of a weird thought to, to think of and then it's like the other thought I had was I'm literally standing sitting behind in theory as long as nothing bad happens to up to me that those are presumably the next four funerals I'll go to in my my family that it's like my mom my because both my dad's parents are gone so now it will be my mom's parents and then presumably my parents. And then it's like, okay. And then I just had this thought of, since I now live, like, I don't, I'm not, I don't have any attachments to where I grew up. I don't live where I grew up as a young kid. So I don't really feel any connections to anywhere. And I felt like there was this kind of weird freedom of like, well, I could go anywhere and anywhere's home because I don't have any attachments to any one place. Like I've lived here in grand Rapids longer than I've lived anywhere. But this isn't home either. It's just where I reside. And it was kind of a weird concept to, to think of while I'm at a funeral and just thinking about the fight, how finite life is and just what people and places mean and the importance we place on those things, even when they really don't.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the, those are all very fair points. It's there, it's, it's an introspection, you know, into, into life. And, um, for me as a as an artist writing songs that's that's something I've always explored in each of the idola albums in particular is, is is a lot of existential questions I I never set out with the intention of telling people how to think right um, I would just like to ask people to think I think that's always a good a good start right it's like uh, how do I introduce a question that will get you to think about something right to think about a topic to think about um, a question or an answer. And then as you're thinking about it, maybe questioning whether or not, you know, uh, the, the answer itself or it to, to be true, uh, objectively or subjectively true. And I don't know, for me, it's always been a cathartic process of doing that for myself. It's like, do I know the answer? Am I correct in this assumption, right? Whether that be with religion or with, with, um, you know, some type of parasocial observation, um, is my, observation correct? Or does that have room for improvement? And in thinking about that, I'm always learning something new. And I think seeking out knowledge through history, through psychology, um, theology, that that's always been an interest of mine. And so as an artist, I like to try to capture that in a way that that not only documents my own experience with that, but hopefully gives the listener an opportunity to sort through their own, their own emotions, their own feelings, and their own existentialism. Uh, or nihilism. I mean, some of that, some of that's explored at, at length on this record too. So I think, um, it, it's, it gives people an opportunity to, to just process and to think. And, um, I, I don't know, it's, it's art that I like, it's art that resonates with me. And if it resonates with other people, that's, that's a bonus. So.
0: In wanting to challenge the people who will take the time to dig through, to find like more meaning behind your lyrics, song titles, and, and as you've said across every conversation we've had, where there's bigger, bigger themes and bigger concepts at play, it's just a matter of how far you're willing to dig to find them. Does it? Do you get frustrated when people only look at things at a surface level, knowing that you purposely have? No, you're shaking your head. No.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, I I don't just because. And and so um, to our arts, our arts, there are objective measurements to art. I used to as a kid, like in my early 20s or um, late teens, I was I was kind of a hippie, you know, it's uh, just kind of a. Oh, art is completely subjective. Whatever makes art good is is up to the listener. I, I'm less on that page now in my adulthood, just having turned thirty. I, I think that there's a mix, right? There, people can find value in something artistically, regardless of what it is, and and um, you know that that has its measurements there. But historically, I think that there are things that make art objectively good, right, um, or objectively bad um, from a like a holistic sense, right? Yeah. Like, what makes art stand the test of time? Why is Why is a Queen album a number one album on iTunes for fucking twenty five years, right? Or twenty years, right? Why is it Why is it today a top album on iTunes when you have so many like unique and good and and um, individual individuals and bands making art now that can't even crack the top two hundred? What makes that art objectively? so good that it spans the test of time it, it's tested um for it for its merit uh, repeatedly and it succeeds uh, i think that there are certain things that you can that you can dive into and in you know music theory is a way is a lens to look at it through you can say okay there's objective things within theory that make this composition good right you'd see people like bach and Handel and tchaikovsky um exploring, exploring certain themes. And you would say, okay, this is, this is what it is. But at the end of the day, uh, how I deliver something, the message that I, that I speak to, right, that can be different through someone else's perception. And it's, again, it's not my job to tell them how to think or what to think about the art. So if they only hear it and they go, man, that's a kick-ass drum beat. I really like that song. It's like, cool, great. You still got something cool out of it. It still helped you with something. Or, or it was just a fun release for you in your stressful life you know, from your day to day. Or like, oh, man, that, that singer is really good. I like his voice. Um, I don't really give a shit what he's talking about. I just want to hear him sing. It's like, cool. I, I still am flattered by that. That's awesome. Uh, if you just like my voice and you don't want to dive in. But there's multiple layers there, right? Uh, if you have a, a, a God, this is a dumb ass metaphor, but like a seven layer cheesecake and someone only wants to eat the top because it's chocolate. It's like, uh, sure, man, eat the eat the top. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's,
0: uh, funny, it's funny that you go too, because I was immediately drawn to a line from the uh, was it downtown that uh Macklemore song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Like, uh, there's layers to this shit uh, tiramisu, tiramisu,
1: (laughs) (laughs) man, I'm I'm always thinking about dessert, dude. I'm on a dirty bulk right now. I got, I'm always thinking about some, some freaking high calorie desserts. (laughs) So, um, no, it's, uh, it's just, it's layered, right? Like I I would love to give people that want to go deeper the opportunity to do so. And I really did try my best, to weigh the balance of doing of making that more accessible on the architect right there were there are times in the past where um i mean i don't i don't i don't read comments anymore but it went to speak to listen came out i was still on social media obviously you read the comments when you're on there so uh there were a couple couple times where we'd get you know some really good reviews for songs like um plisimus Machina, and then there would be somebody come in and be like these guys are full of shit, like this guy uh, this guy just picked up a thesaurus and went to town he's <laughs> he's trying to sound real smart and blah 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 it's like okay well that's cool that, that again that's your perception that doesn't impact me at all that definitely wasn't my intention um, but I did I did make a conscious effort on the architect to kind of streamline it because I, I I got I, I've i <sighs> have heard this a couple of times, but it's, if you have the, you could have the best message in the world. You could have a message that would bring world peace across the board, right? But if you can't communicate it properly, a lot of people are just not going to understand it and it's not going to hit home. It's not going to accomplish what you want it to accomplish, right? So I made a conscious effort on the architect to streamline it, make it simple, right? So you'll notice all the Titles or two-word titles—they're all relatively simple, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, adjective noun or verb noun. Um, there's, there's nothing that's like super hard to pronounce, you know, like 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 Occam's Razor or or you know, Occam's ra- like you can pronounce that a couple of different ways. Uh, but you're right, you're right on the money. And if uh, simple Google search, you can find the philosophical concept. Perennial philosophy, same way. Some people might pronounce it a slightly different, but it's nothing like degeneratera or like these big long titles that you know some people find really cool and endearing and some people are just like i don't know what the fuck this is i'm not going to take the time to even look at it and that's fine right um i just wanted to make an effort without trying to you know go mainstream i still don't think it's even close to mainstream it's just a little bit more digestible it's a little bit easier to open the door to to Go further into those layers if you choose to. Um, I tried to just kind of streamline that process a little bit, make it a little bit more um, accessible to the listener.
0: Well, I almost feel like, and I and I don't know if this is like my therapy kind of coming through as a as an extra tool, but sometimes I feel like when you're younger, you there's the perception that we're not smart as young people. So you, you try to do things that are going to present you in a way that you want to be more treated like an adult and so forth, or, you know, the old, like when you're like, Oh, you wouldn't get it. And it's like, but maybe you're not helping me understand where you're trying to come from and trying to get these concepts or whatever that you're trying to articulate. Whereas I feel like, you know, this is your third record and you're talking as someone who which this doesn't sound old to me because i'm more approaching 40 now that i am i'm like past 30 but when you're like oh i turned 30 and, and you know i looking back at even just when you're going oh when i was so young in my 20s which really isn't that far removed from where you are right now no. like yeah. for me it's like okay that was almost almost 2 decades ago for me but mm-hmm. that just i think speaks to the growth and and i think when you said that to me i immediately go this is someone who as a creative and as a, as a someone who wants to kind of maybe have people understand what you're saying, you're not dumbing down your message, but you're making it more accessible. So that way when people, cause I mean, honestly, I remember when I got the email for Digena and I was like, what the fuck, how do you even pronounce this? And I'm looking at the song titles and I'm like second temple, like third temple, like, Oh my God, I have to like, do I have to really listen to this whole thing, study all the lyrics? And like, it just seemed like homework. And that was just to book you to come play here. That yeah. was, And then, you know, that was my reaction to that. And so it's like, I can totally see how maybe two records, which, you know, I love because it reminds me and kind of speaking to your Queen reference. Why does that record resonate more with other people? A, I think it's because people have more time with that record to kind of understand some of the intricacies and stuff like that. I mean, a song like Bohemian Rhapsody, like we lauded as musicians and as fans But it's it's so intricate. Like there's I think it still has the most tracks for one fucking song like ever, like all the layers and all the stuff that's on it. And there's still little nuances that you can catch and learn or find listening to it now all these years later. And I think that's the thing that's interesting about music is, yes, Bohemian Rhapsody. It's a great pop song. It's kind of long. It's interesting. It takes you somewhere and that can be all you get out of it. But if you start going a little bit deeper and and kind of just noticing like, oh, it's cool how like these little pieces are like, here's a little whatever. And it just keeps bringing you back. But it's in a, a pretty accessible way to just keep, like you said, building layers and kind of tearing them down and finding more within it. And I think maybe with this record for me, when I heard it, the one time I've gone through it, I go, this just feels like a more grown up way for Idola to move forward. It's not dumbed down in any way, but like gone are the, six seven eight minute long songs and you kind of got right to the core of what it is and i think that's something i struggle with sometimes is getting to the point yeah did the nine minutes i say explaining something is it all valid absolutely could i have said it in four probably
1: maybe and i I think
0: that's kind of where you guys are at for me as as a fan from not like you know the last handful of years it feels like that's the progression you guys have kind of made to me on this record
1: Definitely. Uh, That was the intention. So I'm glad that you, that you got that from it. I think that it was really a lesson in uh, just definitely a lesson in patience the entire time, obviously, but it was a, it was a lesson in refinement, right? It's uh, you're foraging diamonds out of coal. You're, you're, you're trying to refine your process. You're trying to refine what you do. And I think we really made an honest and genuine attempt at that with this record. it, we we try to just again try to trim the fat out uh, without dumbing it down. Like we still wanted those deep intrinsic messages. We still wanted that exploration. Um, we still wanted people to dive into to history, philosophy, theology. Like these are all snapshots documenting, uh, you know, my process at viewing those things, which is obviously an undertaking in and of itself. Like I, I I've spent years going and researching through countless theological texts i mean you, you, the upanishads you know the bhagavad gita the quran the bible the talmud i mean i i've read each of those things and historical content behind them um pretty relentlessly for years but it's very hard to surmise that content in 60 minutes, right? You wouldn't see somebody try to take the history of the world and try to tell you it in 60 minutes without, you know, leaving something out. And so it just it, I wanted to make it as streamlined as possible so that people could could have an open door that they could explore it if they choose to, but also still keep it keep it surface level enough that if it's just a good song to you, awesome, great. Bump it, you know, if, if it makes you jam out in your car, you like, you know, belting the words out. Um, you want to go see a live show because you just love how hard this this breakdown hits or whatever. Great. That's cool. I, I like that. I would I would get along with you just fine across the board, I I appreciate that you would even take the time to listen. So I I think that the architects really just was a lesson in refining all the things that we thought made Idola cool in the first place. Um, And, and just growing through some of the things that uh, were roadblocks in the first place or, or stumbling blocks for us. Um, You know, we look back at that music now and, and I love, I love all the songs that Idola's written. I think we've, we've really, uh, done something special with this band where you can go back to our previous discography and find some hidden gems in there. Uh, but there's, yeah, there's, there's always methods to improve, right? There's always ways that you can take your, take your art to another level. And and most people understand that they're like, okay, the art that you make when you're 17 and the art you make when you're 30 are going to be very different depending on the life path that you choose. And sometimes it goes one way. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it, your star burns really bright when you're young And sometimes you're a late bloomer and you got to figure your shit out. So I think um, it's kind of a cool combo of that. So I I liked what we've done over the last nine or 10 years. Um, And, you know, we, we, we were probably going to call it quits after this record and we'll see what happens. Um, I, I, I don't know. (laughs) I have have no idea, dude. The whole world got upheaved in a very short span of time Mm -hmm. in the last year. So Um, we'll see what happens with touring and and what happens with the, the, you know, the recording industry. Uh, everybody kind of has careers now, you know, outside of Sergio, Sergio's definitely gung ho. He's, he's, he's ready to take on four more bands, whatever it takes, you know, he'll, uh, he's insanely talented, very driven, love that guy to death. He's one of my best friends. He, um, he's, he's an incredible human being. He's, he's really, um, impressed me a lot over the last couple of years, especially just with his own growth. And so I know that he's going to be—he's gung ho about doing music for the rest of his life. Um, the rest of us are a little—we're <laughs> a little skeptical. So we'll—we'll see, we'll see what happens. We'll—we'll um, we'll always do music in some capacity. It's just whether or not we're going to pursue it as a like a full-time career. You could say that 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 already has become increasingly difficult and frustrating over the last decade or so. Um, and I I don't know I, I it, like rock rock has its ups and downs and it has for a long time but subgenre niches of rock tend to ebb and flow as well within that that um, microcosm we'll see what happens I don't know if we if everybody else is settling down starting families and and going into their careers we'll we'll still do stuff together but it'll probably be a lot more sparingly and when we don't have content. We're, I mean, we're just, we're not a social media band. That's the thing. We're, we're not, not a band. That's going to be like posting every day or, you know, doing the stories or checking the comments. It's just not (laughs) something that we do. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think social media is fucking evil. So I, I don't participate, but um, whatever, you know, we might build a website at some point. That's a little more functional that people can, can see, kind of go more glass jaw or death grip style in terms of how they, um, market their only. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, there's that, um, just become a brand, uh, just a brand. Yeah. Just jackets. Um, no, we'll, we'll still do. I mean, our, the, the music is definitely still the core component. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with that. We, we definitely, we love playing music together. So we'd like to continue that. Um, and if people choose to listen, that's awesome.
0: You know, knowing that we were going to do this chat, I don't know if this is why this, this quote, Uh, popped out at me um so i was watching the show atypical which is on netflix i don't know if you've heard of it or seen it or anything i have it so uh basically it's a show that's got like michael rapaport and uh the chick from like fast times regiment high uh, as parents and one of the um kids is actually uh like autistic or whatever in the show and but he's not in real life. And ironically, the kid in real life, uh, like has a band called whelm and they're like a like grindcore band, basically. Uh, oh He's the vocalist of that band, so it's just kind of really weird that it's like, oh, you you appear to be this as an actor, and then like when I find out you're in a band, and it's a pretty fucking brutal aggressive <laughs> band, you're just like, yeah. oh. <laughs> um, but I was watching it, and so like the last season uh just dropped, and in one, of, and the kid, his character is in college, and he didn't do an assignment or something like that and uh sarah gilbert plays his teacher and or professor whatever they are in college i don't know and uh to do a makeup project she had him interview people and and whatever and in the line of questions that he's asking people um the character goes what are you a master at and it made me think about how often we tell ourselves you know we can't be a math we can't be masterful at something and you know the phrase that a jack of all trades master and came popping up into my head initially and it made me kind of wonder is this excuse me is this perhaps our perception of being not being able to master something because essentially we are we have learned through things like therapy and just being able to be more connected to other people that putting that kind of burden or pressure isn't stable like mentally healthy for us at times to to have that level of this is where i need to be or is it perhaps that like you're saying with social media and so forth and and as i've seen just getting older that maybe if we kind of take that off the table it's because we're we're lazy and we don't want to push ourselves to be you know masterful at something anymore
1: i think it's um I mean, my my personal opinion would be that it's somewhat of a balance of those things and and, and with all things. Right. It's I think. (laughs) <laughs> working with so many artists, right? Uh, working with Dance Gavidance Dance in particular, they're, they're perfectionists at their own craft, right? Um, they, they strive to be masters of the craft. And that's why I've been with them for six years because I'm in the same boat. I try to, try to master my craft. I try to be the best at what I do. I think where it becomes unhealthy is if your obsession with externalities overtakes your obsession with the actual mastery of the craft. Right. When you become more obsessed with the parasocial relationships, you become more obsessed with how you're perceived, what people think, what the commentary is going to be versus am I good at what I do and can I be better? If so, how do I become better? Right. And that can be at anything. That can be at your own mental health. That can be at your own physical health. It can be at your um, artistic composition, your voice, your guitar playing. Right. It's am I focused on the right things? right that that's my perception of it am i am i focused on being the master of of you know am i focused on being the master of reality and controlling everybody else's thoughts or am i focused on being the master at what i want to be good at right whether that's you know physical art or could be anything could be cooking could be raising kids could be um literally anything that you have that's a dream of yours or a, a goal that you have i think if you're focused on the right things and your heart's in the right place you're you're gonna have a healthier relationship with it right um i that that's definitely my perception of that for sure
0: it was just one of those that like when it came up i was like i jotted it down literally in on my phone because i was like that's such an interesting
1: that's an interesting take for sure yeah.
0: yeah like and it was just like kind of like a throwaway line in a show but i was like huh and it was just one of those that like Sometimes I I feel like I'll like I'll latch on to something like that or it just will be an interesting concept. And then I'll just sit in my head about it for a while. And it's one of those where in doing this, like, you know, I asked it uh, with uh, the person, a friend of mine that I talked to yesterday. And it was one of those like, you know, I feel like it's an open ended enough question on either side Mm -hmm. that will be interesting to explore. And I feel like that's the thing as I get older, where I just like exploring ideas and like not even with a perceived like okay got you you're wrong here's why you're wrong like you know it's not to bring up a question just to prove that i'm smarter or anything like that it's just like i thought this is interesting what does anyone else think what kind of concepts or ideas can i pull from somebody else and maybe take something i thought and like this was the nucleus i had but now i've expanded it now we're just kind of a sharing of ideas And, and i feel like for as much as you know this stupid fucking thing like connexus and all that kind of stuff. I feel like it just divides us so much more. Like I was talking to a friend earlier today, there's a festival here in, in town uh, in a couple of days, like, you know, first festival, first show I've been to since all of this shit went away. And it's kind of funny. Cause like Facebook changed everything. And so now there's no like contacts, like for your you know PR people or whatever. And mm-hmm. so it's really made it kind of hard at times to figure out who I need to contact for something uh, when that information isn't readily available anymore like it used to be so i was like hey i know this person knows someone in this band she can text that person and then just get me the info i need um and she did but it was like one of those i was like i fucking hate facebook and, and honestly if i ever got to the point of having a social media person that can handle all my stuff i would probably get rid of most of it because it's like why what's the point i'd rather i'd rather do this this that's honestly what pushed me to do this because i got tired of losing our ability to communicate.
1: Well yeah, it de- dehumanizes people uh, yeah. entirely. Uh, it's not a net benefit to society or the human experience at all in my opinion. And and that's primarily because social media is created to manipulate you. It's yeah. absolutely created. I mean you 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 know this isn't calling out people that use it if you find benefit in it, go for it, but you should at least be aware at the people that Create these systems that you interact with, and they're like the algorithms are focused on keeping you addicted, right? Like I've had this conversation countless times, and people that I've, people that I trained, some of my clients, or, or people I've worked with in the past, they, are they, you know, they talk to me, and they're like, "How, how did you do it? Like, what, what got you off? Why, how did you stay off?" And, and what tends to happen is we have this kind of prog- this progressive dialogue about why it's not healthy, and they go, "Oh, okay, that makes sense. It clicks." They go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to delete the app. Right. And they'll delete it. And then they'll realize that the first thing that they do is they wake up the next morning, they go to their phone, they start clicking and they're like, Oh, I don't have anything to scroll. What the fuck. Right. They're like, if, if you try it, I guarantee the same thing will happen. If you're on your phone every day doing this repetitive behavior, those systems are designed to keep you addicted. And what, what better way to keep you addicted than than triggering your anxiety response right why do you think that most content is geared towards hatred division um you know clickbait material it's because that that adrenal gland response in the human brain it overpowers everything right your fight or flight response it used to be to protect you it used to be in an environment um before technology we, you know we could talk uh, pretty much up until the last few hundred years, right? Where your anxiety response was triggered if you were in a dangerous situation, right? And you needed to get out of there, right? Now what we're doing is is flooding the human brain, um, especially with young kids, right? Their frontal lobe's not completely developed. You're flooding their brain with an anxiety response. We don't even know what the effects of that are going to be long-term. We're starting to see them now. Right. You, you're starting to see them now. But if you watch things like I mean, the Social Dilemma does a decent job at going through some of this stuff. It talks about how some of the engineers of social media um, are, you know, they're at, they, they've designed things like slot machines. Right. What's a slot machine designed to do? Take your fucking money right it's designed to keep you there as long as you as long as you're you're able to be there until you're broke right they want to take your money same thing with social media you want to you want to talk about billionaires you want to talk about social manipulation that's exactly what they're there for they're there to take your fucking money through ad revenue by generating your clicks what generates clicks anxiety response right most people aren't just clicking on i mean you you get it occasionally somebody clicking on a cute puppy video, you know, you've got these like heartfelt, great stories, but you'll notice it used to be more like that in like 2015, right? 2014, it'd be like, oh, check out this awesome heartfelt video. These this church outreach outreach program did this awesome thing for the community, or like this this group got together for for you know social justice, and they all came together and did this amazing thing. Now it's like, okay, well, what's going on here? Who's rioting here? What's what can we have you click on today? What can we have you? What group can we get you to hate today? Right? Um, that's not good for society, right? And I don't think that people are uh fully aware of that just because it's become such a social norm to be on social media to be that connected with people all the time um so yeah i i just a few years ago was seeing that trend and i was like i don't want my worldview poisoned by what a bunch of billionaires want me to see and how they can manipulate what's in my feed um I, you know, I, you could you make the argument like you have control over what you see. Oh, I'm only going to follow puppy accounts. It's like it, they'll still find a way They'll t- targeted advertisements. It's it's just not it's not healthy. It wasn't healthy for me, for sure. And so at least I, I can only really speak to my own experience and what I view um, as a sociological impact. I think just again, to save myself from rambling, last point, um, I think that. Eventually, my hope would be that it gets regulated to some degree, uh, just like the the tobacco industry, right? You had the tobacco industry um, back in the you know the the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, where you, you if you you know if you study the history, you could smoke pretty much anywhere, right? You can smoke oh, indoors, <laughs> you can smoke around your kids, you can smoke on planes, right? Um, there were doctors that were paid off by lobbyists to tell you that it was perfectly healthy to smoke, right? They, there were doctors that would get paid off. So you'd have these journals of medicine and these doctors, they'd come out and be like, oh yeah, smoking's perfectly healthy. You smoke in front of your kids, you smoke on the plane, do whatever the fuck you want, right? And it wasn't until all these people started dying and having these vastly terrible impacts on their health um and their community health right it wasn't until that started to happen when legislation had to get involved and they say okay no you can't you can't do you can't smoke in the airport um you know outside a designated space you can't smoke in you know in these these places um you can't smoke around kids you can't smoke in the school right so once it becomes like a, a health crisis um that that's when the laws get changed. It's unfortunate that that's what it takes because um, mm-hmm. we're already seeing a lot of the, the impacts that social media is having. But it's only really been around prominently for like 10 years, 15 yeah. years tops, right? We're talking MySpace days and MySpace is already gone. Facebook t- took over. Facebook's on its way out. Twitter took over. That hopefully we'll see a, a downstream eventually. Um, not, not a net benefit, in my opinion. I, th- I would like to see something happen sooner than later um i would like it to not have to come to a fucking crisis to get that changed but um we'll see we'll see what happens
0: it's funny i was watching a snippet of a friend of mine's twitch stream where he's been playing like weird documentaries and there's this like i guess this one on chuck e cheese and about how just they're a shitty company and like that they but it started because someone was like oh they they take their pizza and if you leave like a half a pizza or whatever they'll just take the slices and then reuse it like they'll resell essentially your food that you didn't eat to someone and so in watching this this whole thing the part that i took away from it more than that though is at one point they were talking about how they should probably get rid of like a chuck e cheese and places like it because essentially what it's doing is grooming kids to be gambling addicts and it was showing like like, people at like casinos, like, here's this game. It's a slot machine. Okay, how is it any different from this game at Chuck E. Cheese? And they, it's like, they give you tokens. Like, you always will get, or not a token. They'll give you uh, tickets. tickets. You always get a ticket. So you're never losing. You're always getting something. Um, so at that point, you're not really at a quote-unquote loss. But it was really weird the way that, like, when that presented itself, I was like, holy shit. Like it was just like I know the documentary goes on to explore way bigger things. But like that was like the one where I was like, wow, I never noticed the parallel there of like essentially something like that is is conditioning our kids to, you know, more, more, more. Give me more money. I need to win that thing. I need to win that thing. And then it becomes this thing of like, but you're not going to win it. The system's rigged. So you always lose in those situations or the few times that it's going to pay out that's to enable everybody else around you to be like, see that person one though could be me.
1: Sure. It yeah.
0: Really. It was really weird to see that. I was like, wow, I, I guess i never realized how even something like that is, like I said, conditioning our children first and foremost, like to have these habits that I, I didn't even think about. And, you know, I know like doc, uh, Coyle and I from bad wolves, like had talked a long time ago, you know, about social media and more how it pertains to sports. Like, you know, Sure. There's always the, you know, Michael Jordan's the greatest, so on and so forth. And Kobe's the greatest. And, you know, we were talking about that debate and, you know, he was like, you know, I think the one thing that can't be undervalued, even though we'll never talk about it being a a direct result of someone's, you know, actual like how they play the game. You know, LeBron's been the only one who has had to be around in the 24 hour news cycle. You know, Kobe kind of got a little bit of it. Um, but he bit, was, yeah. him and him and Jordan came out essentially when all it was is print. And then you can control that based on who you allow to interview this person or, you know, and the, the reach of some of these op ed pieces only will go so far. It's not like it is today where it can go viral and go everywhere. And so, you know, it's like, how hard would it be to you turn on your TV and they're talking about how you had a bad game? So you suck and you're overrated. Da, 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 da. And Now you have different forms of social media where lebron probably won't see me if i contact or comment or tag him in something i'm like man you've really fucking sucked tonight probably won't see that but he he might but it's like the thing is is we have more access to people now to tell them these things or good bad or indifferent and it's so hard to you know wonder what that's going to do to someone and i had even made the comment um I wondered now in a way, like you had talked about, you can kind of curate what you want to see like on social media. And so it made me kind of go, I wonder how negatively that's going to impact our, our future because it's like, I grew up and if people wanted to bully me, say terrible things about me, they fucking could. And I just had to learn how to get over it and have thicker skin and either learn how to communicate with these people like, Hey, and work our way through it. But I don't know if, the generations coming up now can do that because it's like, if I don't like it, well, you're blocked or I'm only going to have the world be exactly how I want it to be. And that's not realistic either.
1: Yeah. um, uh, You made a lot of good points there. Uh, Don't get me started on journalists. We would be here for like (laughs) two more hours.
0: I am uh, sort of one of them I've been told.
1: <laughs> I I would not view it that way. I, I I think there's a difference, right? Um you're not writing like hit pieces and schmear pieces. No. Schmear. <laughs> some free, some bagel schmears, dude. Yes, I know. I need, <laughs> need to get my calories in. Um no, uh you there's a there's definitely a difference. Um you're you're not like um you you're not going in with the intention of Again, it goes back to what we talked about at the very beginning of this whole interview. It's like, where's your heart at? What's your intention, right? Um, if your intention is to gain knowledge or to provide an objective perspective, um, an honest perspective, I think that you're the best journalist that you could possibly be, right? Um, and that's that's a net positive. If your intention is to just write exposés all the time and to try to try to hold everybody to some non-existent uh, moral litmus test or some unachievable standard of ethical consumption. I think it's not really a not really a path that's going to lead to a better future. In my opinion, I think it's just going to divide people. It, it, we we stop seeing humans as humans. We start seeing them as um, power structures. I guess you could say uh, to be to be manipulated. You're climbing a different social hierarchy at that point. So. Um, You you know, you made a lot of really good points there. It's you've got somebody that has to be on all the time, you know, um, like LeBron, right? Somebody who's got to be on constantly. Uh, I think that plays a bigger, bigger uh, role in people's mental health than they would like to lead on because you're you have to you do you have to be on constantly. And I think that's what leads a lot of people to drugs um, and alcohol abuse, right? Uh, mental health crises. And a lot of people avoid therapy because it's expensive, right? It's, uh, it's expensive. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you it's not expensive. It's, but it's well worth the investment. It's if you're going to invest in something, would you rather invest your time and money into something that's making your life worse? Or would you rather invest your time and money into something that's making your life better? And to your last point, um, you know, uh, curating, this reality this this parasocial subjective reality uh i think is is fairly harmful because objective reality exists whether or not you want to look at it that way whether or not you want to see it it exists um it's there right like if you you go into a war zone and you get picked off like that's objective reality right you you're 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 done right your your stream of consciousness is tapped um, if you, you walk into, um, a, a collapsing building, right? Like that's, that's objective reality. That's real. That's out there. Right. Um, we have the luxury in a, a lot of modern countries now where we have, you know, a lot of people only want to look at the last like hundred or 200 years of, of human history. It's like, dude, well, you got
0: our, it. Our human history. That's the problem. I think yeah, is that yeah, America yeah, yeah. only has 200
1: ish years. Exactly. Right. But you got to you got to dive deeper. It's so much more intricate than that. And there's so much more to learn. And I think that we we do take for granted things like things as simple as running water, um, being able to clean yourself with soap every day or, you know, to be able to, um, you, you know, go go and get any type of medicine over the counter, right? Um, for for any number of ailments that could be self inflicted or could not be, right? It could be well well beyond your scope of what you could have self inflicted yourself with. So, um, when you're looking at all of these amazing net positives for humanity, which is you know medicine um, in particular and and technology from a from like a, again a healthcare or a quality of life standpoint. Uh, so much amazing things have, so many amazing things have been done where we our quality of life is just better than ever right but because of that people want to find more um the 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 bar the Overton window keeps moving the bar keeps moving to where it's like okay well what's the next standard of excellence how do i get there right rather than taking the time to be like okay i'm really grateful i'm alive today i'm really grateful that i got to wake up today i'm really grateful that i can go to my fridge and find food and if i can't find food in there that there are a lot of systems in place that will help me to get that right um, that's one of the things i'm really proud of for the church that i go to here in utah we do a lot of amazing community outreach programs so one of the programs we do that i participate in is a um it's a food truck um it's like a food pantry is what we call it so uh, every tuesday and uh, and wednesday we get a truck that comes in we have a deal with like costco and and Walmart and and some other local, um, farms and local, uh, grocery stores, and they donate food that they would normally throw away. That's perfectly good food. I mean, it's not expired. It's just, you you know, how it is, you know, when you do, you got groceries, there's plenty of information you can find on grocery stores that throw out perfectly good food. Right. Um, so we, we get that food and we set up, we unload a truck every Tuesday and we set up a, a food pantry for, um, people who are less fortunate, uh, members of the community that are, um, that are down on their luck, they're you know, homeless or they're on you know, food stamps and it's completely free. They, we give them a cart, they walk through, they can grab as many groceries as they want. We walk them to their car um, and we just, we just help them out, right? There are amazing things going on here where if you're, if you're down on your luck and you need the help, there are incredible social systems in place at least in this community um, that I I, I've really tried to make an effort to participate in that will help you to get back on your feet and help you to stay away from hunger and poverty. Right. Um, And I don't think there's ever been a time in human history where that's been so readily available, right. Where we, where we have so much to be grateful for waking up every day. So I, again, it's your intention, your focus, where your heart's at. I would like my focus and intention to be on, love compassion and things that I'm grateful for versus what can I complain about today? Right. What can I bitch about today? Um, what can I, how can I make someone else feel bad on the internet? Like if you're a person that does that, go fuck yourself, like (laughs) just go fuck yourself.
0: I was going to say, as soon as you said that, I, 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 feel bad. I don't remember this song title off the top of my head, but literally the opening line is, uh, my intention is to explore the realm of, uh, possibility in the human condition i believe is the lyric
1: so uh, yeah my intention is to explore explore the realm of consciousness and the human condition very close yeah
0: yep so um i think that's a, a good a good stopping point uh for whenever we do another one of these eventually uh looking at tour dates um i'm hoping they all come through i mean who knows i think this first batch of touring and all that i just saw uh Vince that runs uh, metal sucks, I think made a comment. He goes, you know, I had the epiphany today that all it's going to take is one person from one band touring, you know, these clubs and all that, that's going to basically shut all this shit down again. And I was like, fuck, um, didn't think of it like that, but wait, what? I,
1: I I don't understand. What does he mean by that?
0: So basically saying that like, you know, all these bands that are going out and touring like literally right now that all it's going to take is for one of them to, to, you know, if they're not vaccinated, you know, and not wearing their mask and doing all the things they're supposed to do, all it's really going to take is one person on one of these tours to then potentially spread it through not only their band, their touring, like the rest of the tour, possibly anyone that's working in close proximity to them in the venues.
1: So but on does it so does the vaccine work or doesn't it? Because if the vaccine works, I, I I just don't I don't know I don't understand that point because if I if think you're
0: I think the point he's sort of making and I didn't see any follow up from him but I took it more as like you know because like right now I saw I don't remember what band it was it made kind of news that like half of like the two vocalists of this band uh, one was essentially kicked out because they didn't get vaccinated and and part of them being an international band coming here to the states is you have to have it I guess. Uh, in order to travel and so forth or i don't know if that was a condition of like the tour or their actual international travel from where they are um but was one of those are like and that's fine if that's a choice he chooses to make but he can't actively tour with us so this person now is no longer in this band because that's the decision they made um and so it, it's little things like that that do kind of make me wonder that it's like okay you know, I've been hearing people are like when everyone was posting like their card, I'm like, oh, I got the vaccine or whatever. People were, you know, digitally manipulating those and making their own to then be like, yep, me too, even though they didn't, uh, because it's sort of that FOMO thing of like, well, I don't want to get it because it goes against whatever beliefs I may have. But I also don't want to be told I can't go do these things because I didn't do the thing that everyone else did to allow us to go back to a semblance of normal going to shows, whatever and so I took that when I read it this morning, the, the thing that uh, Vince from Metal Sucks kind of posted that it was like, in theory, because of those things, those avenues of like, you know, you can't literally ask people. You know, like I work door at a bar, someone was like, oh, I'm vaccinated. And I was like, I can't ask you that anyway. Like legally, I can't ask you like you can only come in here if you're vaccinated. Like, I, I can't ask you that. Um, that's part of like our HIPAA and all that kind of stuff, laws and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all in good faith, essentially. And you would like to hope that people, especially after being isolated and not being able to do these things that bring us together and concerts and music doing that, you would hope that everyone would be on the up and up and try to do things for the greater good of, of all of us. Um, but I know just from human nature and history, like that's not always the case. People will do what they want to selfishly, uh, because they feel they're entitled to it or whatever. Um, so with that being said, potentially, especially with second secondary strains that, you know, we're hearing about now of the secondary COVID-19 of, I forget what the, the term is that they're calling it, that there could be another strain and then all this all starts again and touring goes away very quickly. Um, we're all kind of at a, you know, the whole point of everything, you know, getting to 70%, I think in most states, uh, you know, is the herd immunity kind of thing. But we don't know if that's what's going to happen. Um, there's so much more I could talk about on this because like I worked uh, for a little bit at one of the companies here in town that made one of the vaccines and even working for a company that made one, there was still like some of the rules that were in place at my job didn't make any fucking sense. Like I went to go train. Our training was in our break room as someone training. I had to wear a mask all day, but the people who were coming up to eat lunch or take their breaks, that was the one area they could not wear it. And I'm like, and so one day I just stopped wearing the mask there. And they're like, you have to wear it. I go, let's look at this logically. Why do I have to wear a mask in an area when I'm already sitting and I'm sitting by myself away from everyone because everything's been distanced. But 30 people can come up here and then take off their mask. I I don't really understand if this is like the, the safe haven of where you can do that. Why it matters what I'm doing versus what they're doing. It's the same space.
1: Yeah, we we could really we could dive into a lot so, I mean, of this. Um, there, there's, but, there's things yeah, like
0: that that like it, it's common I, I sense. I would
1: agree. I would say so. They're just for our tour, right? Um, they're they're you know for dance Gavin dance. They're making sure that everybody's vaccinated. Um, okay. In, in order to step on stage in New York, you you have that's, to be vaccinated.
0: That's part of right. and. I don't want to get like too inside your, your shit there, but it is that something that literally the state of New York and, or the venue that you're playing, that is part of your condition of the agreement upon here's your contract. And this is before you even step forward, either you have to all submit your, your paperwork ahead of time, or
1: Uh, you, you you just have to show your card at the, at the door um, to, to go in. But yes, it is part of the contractual agreement. I believe New York's the only state that's, that's mandating that. Hmm, Right. Um, but it, it, it's it's heavily encouraged. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I do think that if you're this is, again, a personal opinion here, if your goal is to get as many people vaccinated as possible, you shouldn't just you should focus on the efficacy of the vaccine itself. Right. Is it effective or isn't it? So if it's if it's effective, then people who are vaccinated should have nothing to worry about. Whether that's a new strain, whether that's, you know, whether that's uh, the regular COVID, I guess, not the Delta variant. Like if you're vaccinated, yeah, you shouldn't have anything to worry about in those environments. Right. And I think that that's, um, you know, that that really at the end of the day is like what people should take comfort in uh, when they're going out into these shows. It's like, okay, you know, come in good faith. And if you are and maybe one out of the thousand people lied about it. Right. You're vaccinated. You don't have anything to worry about. Right. right. Um, You're you, you, it, it, if it's effective. Right. If it's not effective. Right. And people keep making the argument that, that they have something to be scared about. Then we will end up in the same situation where it all gets shut down because then right. it's a method of uh, of social control. It's not it's not good. Right. You're not going to get somebody in Montana, uh in rural Montana, vaccinated with that logic. Right. And if your goal is for the greater good of the community. Right. Then. And that's, that's your goal is to get people vaccinated. I think that the messaging has got to be a lot clearer and it's got to be less politicized, I think would, would help. Um, And, and I think Fauci even said that recently where he said, you know, we take, take the politics out of it. Um, I think that that's, that's close. I think that needs to be a a lot more um, pushed in the messaging, right? If you're going to get people to take it. So.
0: Absolutely. The whole point of that initially though, is that uh, you guys aren't playing Michigan. I'm actually seeing a lot of bands are skipping Michigan,
1: um, that I'm not a hundred percent sure why that is. Cause, cause New York obviously is like, you know, they're mandating it. So if the, if the goal was to get around mandates, um, doesn't really make sense to skip Michigan. I don't really know. Yeah, I know. Could, I know that could, has could, nothing
0: be, to do with you guys. I know that's like, yeah. you know, booking agents and all that kind of stuff, but it was just, all I'm sure was say that, uh, you guys are playing the day after my birthday in Chicago. And, uh, nice. so I might, uh, try to make it out for that. Uh, yeah,
1: come out, come out. We'll hang for sure. We'll grab yeah. some, grab some burgers again.
0: Oh, I mean, if I'm coming to Chicago, I'm going to, I'm
1: going to get some. Oh, we're going pizza. pizza. All right, I'm I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> well, with yeah, we'll the go. rest. Of
0: the, oh, actually, the 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 real plug thing. Although we already just talked about how you're not really active on social media, but where can people find the band uh, or anything you would like to plug uh, for the band online?
1: Uh, Not the best at uh, that. I don't uh, Like I said, uh, (laughs) I'm not only not active, I don't have it. So um, I I don't have it. I don't even have the login information for the IDOLA pages. So I have been void of all social media for like almost three years. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I mean, I don't know the exact URLs. Just Google search E-I-D-O-L-A, and everything will come up. Um, everybody uses Google. I'm sure you could find it. <laughs> um, we have, I will say, idolathearchitect.com is where you can buy anything that you would like to buy for this album. So the vinyl um, T-shirts, we've got some more T-shirts coming. We've got some more vinyl variants coming. Um, I should make, one, got I should some-,
0: make some masks.
1: So with Dan, Dan Traub is, is the maker of the mask. He's awesome. We have something cool with that coming up recently. I know he's already got some business coming his way so far from people ordering the masks. So um, we'll be doing some, some collaborations with him in the future too. He's super duper talented. We, I just found that picture and I was like, I got, I got to have that for the album. It's just so, (laughs) it's just so cool. And he was like, well, I don't own the rights to the picture. It's from this photographer and it's this person. So we all got onto a group thing and, and we purchased the rights for the photo but um we're like yeah we'll tag you and everything hopefully you'll get some business and um it looks like he's gotten some business so far so the masks are are awesome if you get the chance to pick one up definitely order it from him he's a super talented guy
0: imagine looking out at a crowd while you're playing and just see like hundreds of those
1: oh it'd be sick (laughs) yeah um it'd it'd be very sick so yeah
0: well thanks again for taking the time and uh let me do this again eventually
1: Awesome. Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. Have a good one. So
0: that was my conversation with Andrew Wells of IDOLA and Dance Gavin Dance. Um, it's been really good actually hearing him do a f- few other forms of press, podcasts, whatever. Uh, he was recently a guest on the Lead Singer Syndrome podcast of Shane Tolds, uh from Silverstein. Uh, that one... It was it's kind of interesting sometimes like when I see him do some press because I know he he doesn't do much, uh, so it's always kind of interesting to see what him and somebody else end up getting you know getting into and so forth. And there was a little bit more about his status with Dance Gavin Dance that uh you know I didn't necessarily want to get into that because sometimes when you get into other band things where the person's not technically a member or whatever, it kind of creates some weird tension at times. So I just kind of left a lot of the Dance Gavin Dance stuff. Out of it. Um, but the lead singer syndrome podcast episode with Andrew was really good. Uh, go check it out. If you are inclined after listening to this one, uh, he does not do much in the way of press, like I said earlier. So, um, uh getting to kind of hear him talk at length about some of the projects between Idola working with Dance Gavin, Dance with Tillion, with you know Will and all these people and just kind of his experiences I think kind of allows you to kind of understand more of who he is. Um, so go check those out. Speaking of Check It Out, I checked out a shitload of beers uh, this last week. Uh, I had some friends in from Oregon and so I was able to knock out a huge amount of beers because I was able to try them with a, a bunch of people. Uh, one of the ones that stood out to me was a Martin House uh, beer if if you've heard me talk on the podcast, you know that I've become very fascinated infatuated however you want to put it, with Martin House. I still don't think I've had a bad beer from them, and this one was no different. It is called the Melted. It's a salted caramel and waffle cone ice cream ale. Holy shit was this thing. Mad fucking delicious. Um, it hit on all the flavors, the saltiness of the salty caramel flavor and the waffle cone flavor and like a little bit of that lactose uh, kind of ice cream flavor. Just... Man, this thing was so delicious. I wish I had more of them. It is a phenomenal beer. Uh, And it was really great actually getting to try so many different beers with uh, my friends and just kind of, you know, having conversations late at night, very much like this conversation with Andrew. Um, So it's been a lot of fun this last week having my friends in town and gearing up for Atlanta. We just got done seeing Kanye uh, a week ago as of when we're recording this. Uh, I will probably end up doing something, talking more about that Event and the the Donda album finally dropping because a lot of people have been asking me about it so. Seems only right that that would be something I would do. And uh, kind of wrapping this episode up because it is kind of long. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Idola, it's Idola UT on Facebook and Idola on Instagram and Twitter. Andrew doesn't have any social media, so I don't have to plug that. If you would like to keep up with us, it's simple enough. BruceSpeakPod.com is the landing page. You will find everything you need to know about us, including our sponsors. And I want to take a moment to thank them again, real quick. The Bean Bastard. Go to thebeanbastard.com, get you some delicious coffee, support the guys and gals in the brick and mortar in Buffalo, New York, if you're around the area. Head on over to rockabilly.com. They have over 500,000 items in their online store. You can use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. And last but not least, last week's guest, Mr. Maddie Mullins of Memphis Mayfire and On Point Palmade. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. Uh, and last but not least, our Patreon. We are doing so much with the Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com slash Uh For as little as a dollar, you'll get a couple of videos. The sidecasts, where to learn from a podcast, podcast. Um, I do weekly breakdown videos of my weekly playlist, and I also have been doing, um, posting all the episodes, basically, before I do them. So right now, there's an episode I did with Eric Martin of Mr. Big that's already up over there. Uh, Everything you want to see or hear is already over there. Uh, So for a, a fee, you can go check that out and get early access to these episodes. For the Brutally Speaking Podcast, all the shilling aside, I am John. And I'll talk to you next week where our guest is Sean Cooper of Taking Back Sunday and Straight Light Run. I'll talk to you then.